Welcome to Virtual School Assembly. I'm your host, Tyler Christensen. I'm a productivity speaker, author, and classroom teacher. Here at Virtual School Assembly, I interview Hollywood celebrities, professional athletes, Olympians, speakers, and educators who share messages of inspiration, education, and hope to better prepare you for an ever-changing and uncertain world. Thanks for joining us. Let's get started. All right, welcome back to Virtual School Assembly for this professional development session. Today we're pleased to have Dr. Christopher Willard. Uh, Dr. Willard is a psychologist, a speaker, educational consultant, and teacher at the Harvard Medical School. He's been practicing meditation for 20 years and has led hundreds of workshops all around the world. He's presented a TEDx conference and his thoughts have appeared in the New York Times, the Washington Post, Mindful.org, and a bunch of other places. He's the author of 11 books and counting for parents and professionals and children along with six sets of cards and therapeutic games available in more than 10 languages. And if he wasn't busy enough with all the professional things, he also enjoys traveling, hiking, cooking, reading, writing, and being a father. Dr. Willard, you are a busy man. We are grateful to have you for a few minutes today. And I'm so thrilled to be here. This is, this is so fun. This is such a great idea also. Um, so a lot of the work that I do is focused on stress, mental health, and, and the solution that I often offer, and there are many solutions to these things, but is mindfulness, which can sound like one of those really complicated ideas that teachers and educators can feel like, I, I, I can't do this, I don't know how to do this. And what I wanna do is really try to make it more simple and accessible for everybody. But what I wanna start with is just by talking about just how unbelievably stressed out our kids are these days. So we know, for example, that teenagers are actually the most stressed out group in the country. And what we see is that's actually rising among younger and younger kids as well. We have record rates of mental health issues, mental illness. About a third of kids now have an anxiety disorder, right? So if you think about the kids in your class, right? Looking from one side to the other, right? One of those three kids is gonna struggle with anxiety or another mental health issue. And a lot of this comes out of the stress that they're under whether it's stress that their parents might be putting on, that we're unintentionally putting on as educators, or that they're just feeling from the world being a, being a really scary place these days, right? It's especially more and more. So it's no wonder they're under stress. And what happens when we're under stress is that we go into these different ways of responding. We have the fight or flight system, which you can, if you go like this a little bit, you can kind of feel that in your body, like you're gonna flee or fight off some kind of stress. We've got this other freeze or forget it faint response like this, kind of giving up, playing dead, becoming camouflaged. And you might even see this in some of your kids. They're fighting. They're fleeing and running away from things. The more they avoid, of course, the more anxious they end up getting, <laughs> right? They start to just kind of freeze and say, forget it and give up. Those are kids where it starts to turn into depression, right? Isolation, things like this that we also worry about. And what else happens in their brains and in their bodies is, is their, their ability to think clearly, work and manage their emotions really also starts to shut down. So that this front part of the brain, the prefrontal cortex, that's where they focus and pay attention. Well, that actually starts to shut off. Their ability to manage their impulses starts to shut off. Think things through starts to shut off. Focus over here in their insular cortex on the sides, and there won't be a quiz on this, but that's where they tend to have their social reasoning, right? Take other folks' perspective, have empathy. Another thing we worry about a lot with some of our kids these days. 
those shut down when we're stressed out because the blood is actually flowing out of those parts of the brain and it's flowing into the limbic system and the amygdala, which is really kind of the brain's alarm system. And what I say to kids is, how well can you work if there's an alarm going off, right? Not very well. And, and same with us adults for that matter, I'd like to say, right? So what we need to do is we need to find a way to turn the volume down a little bit on that alarm system. To go from this or this to something a bit more in the middle, kind of like this. And this to me is, is, is mindfulness. We could call this the attend and befriend response. We could really just call this mindfulness and, and self-awareness and awareness, self-compassion, self-care things like that. And what happens is the blood then starts to flow out of that alarm system. It flows back into those parts of the brain we want them to have for learning in classroom, for making friends, for taking other people's perspective, for managing their impulses and not giving into bad decisions and things like that. And then what else happens? Their brains actually rewire. So they stop going into fight and turning into aggressive kids. They stop going into avoid and flee and turning into anxious kids they stop going into giving up and becoming depressed kids. And they start actually showing up for life in a really different way, which is really what we want, learning how to learn from difficult experiences, right? Rather than just try to avoid them in whatever way. And so to me, this is all happening in the, in the brain and the body. And I wanna talk about some of the things that we can do to actually have some of that transformation start to happen. Now, one of the things that you, you know, might, might notice when you feel stressed out especially if you're like this, is that your breath gets all out of whack. So actually, it, it, I know you probably hear breathing is good for you and that kind of thing. Well, breathing really is good for you. I heard someone say, your breath is like a remote control. It can turn the volume down on that alarm. Actually turn the, the blood flow into your prefrontal cortex. You can focus more into your insular cortex. You can take perspective. And so even if it's just the start of class, before an exam, before the kid goes on stage to audition, right? These other little moments that might be stressful in class or another school situation for a kid before the soccer game, right? Who knows what? Just to learn how to regulate their breath can be so helpful. So what I like to say is, you know, we all know that you can regulate your breath and that in turn regulates your body and that in turn regulates your brain. And your nervous system, and then you're regulating your emotions, you're regulating your attention, right? And you're, you're regulating, you know, all of these things that, that, that we need, your impulses as well, for being able to focus in school. I also just want to emphasize before I guide us through a few short breathing practices, is that this really starts with us, the adults. So it really actually is contagious. People always say, oh, Dr. Willard, how do we create more mindful kids? Well, I know how to create stressed out kids. It's easy. You surround them with stressed out adults, their parents, their teachers, their friends, right? Easy. Well, if that's the case, then the best way to create more mindful, centered, calm, focused, compassionate kids is to surround them with more calm, centered, mindful, focused, compassionate adults in their lives. So it also really does start with you managing your stress whether that's mindfulness or exercise or eating right or whatever, again, it might be for you. But again, starting with you, right, maybe we'll do a few breaths together. And so I encourage you to do these along with your kids, right? There's a meme online that says like, never in the history of calming down has anyone calmed down by being told to calm down. Well, you know, we, we've all tried that. It doesn't work. 
we calm ourselves down, right? The kids then feel calm. They feel connected with us as educators. They feel trusting of us, open themselves up to learn or do whatever work that they need to do in schools. So with that, I want to switch to a couple just fun breathing things that we can do. And there's a lot more to mindfulness than this. I just want to say that. This is just a little preview. But what we want to get our breath to is about between about four and six breaths in a minute for us adults. That's what really shuts off the alarm and sends the blood flowing into those other parts of the brain where we focus and take perspective and all those other good things. So we can count is one thing we can do. I like to do the 7-Eleven breath, which is used by a lot of folks like professional athletes, firefighters, ambulance drivers, people in really high stress positions. I just wanna add, which can be a little buy-in for some of those skeptical kids. And we just breathe in, counting to seven, breathe back out, counting to 11. Breathing in, two, three, four, five, six, seven, and back out. Two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. And in, just counting to yourself up to seven. And back out, counting to eleven. And up to seven. And back out to 11. And you can just allow your breath to find its own pace again, just a little bit more well-regulated this time. So that's a simple one maybe for older kids, younger kids. I sometimes suggest the, the hot chocolate breath. You can imagine you've got a, a bowl of hot chocolate or something like that. Just Breathing in, smelling, blowing out, cooling off. Breathing in, smelling, blowing out, cooling off. And just set your hot chocolate back down. So if you just real simple things like this that teach kids how to regulate their breath, teach us adults how to regulate our breath. Actually, it helps us all do what we call co-regulation, which is having all of our physiology kind of attuned to each other as educators and students, which really opens everybody up for that much more effective learning, focusing, and, and just getting into the moment to be able to do what, what we all got to do during the course of a stressful school day, as this also kind of quiets down that stress response from fight or flight and, and freeze and forget it into a little bit more of that attend and befriend kind of place. So this is just a couple easy, fun breathing practices for you. And I really hope this has been helpful. Feel free to, to stay in touch if you've got any more questions. Well, I definitely have a couple questions I, I want to ask before <laughs> we leave. Um, just because I, I'm trying to picture how I'm going to use this in my classroom. Absolutely. And, and incorporate it more into my daily routine as a teacher. Now, obviously, as a, as a teacher, we have certain times during the day that this makes a lot of sense just to practice breathing before the class day starts, maybe during our lunch break or a prep period. Um, I'm a little concerned with students because when I have my students close their eyes and slow down their breath, I don't want them mm -hmm. to fall asleep. 
Um, right. I don't want to lose them in an engaging part of class. <laughs> when would you recommend teachers do this? Like what part of the, the school day would be the best time to go through breathing exercises with students? Absolutely. I love that question. I also love what you brought up about closing their eyes. I don't always necessarily recommend that. I usually make that an option for students because some kids might not feel that comfortable closing their eyes either. Like if they're not sure who their classmates are or something like that, or they got some kind of trauma history or something like that. So they can just rest their eyes maybe. And that'll also help keep them awake a little bit, which I think is important. So I think knowing your students and knowing the times of day that might be helpful. Also, a lot of these are really useful exercises to do. Kids can be standing up. Right, you can do a little bit of movement in some different ways. Um, I'm working on something with a friend about, a, actually a few friends about ninja training that's kind of teaching mindfulness to more of the kind of like tween boys who might be skeptical. And it's, you know, just try to breathe without making a sound. And it takes a lot of focus to be able to do that. Or maybe as the kids are coming in, right, as teachers might already say, like, let's have a contest to see who can be the quietest, but like, let's do some ninja walking maybe. Right, and just trying to, again, silently walk as, as quietly as possible, right? So making it a bit of a game, especially with the younger kids, can I think really be, be helpful. And then finding what are the moments in the day when they're falling asleep, which I learned recently, like two, 2.55 is the least productive hour of the day for adults, and it's probably something like, you know, one or two o'clock for kids after lunch. Right. They are gonna be more likely to fall asleep. So movement, stretching, something like that can be really helpful at that kind of time of the day. You know, maybe a butterfly breath, flapping their wings or alligator, right? Snapping their jaws. Again, this is for younger kids, right? Um, you know, but earlier in the day, if they're feeling anxious at the start of the school day, something like the hot chocolate breath or the counting can help them settle down. Or right before they get up for a class presentation or right as you're handing the exams around the room, Right, reminding kids just to slow their breath down a little bit to be able to focus. Um, if they're feeling, if you can just sense that the kids are really on edge um, that particular day or, or that particular moment in the classroom. Yeah. Now, one of the things that I, I've incorporated into my classroom, I call them brain boosts, but it's mm. physical things that we do to activate our prefrontal cortex so the students yeah. focus better and have better retention um, with what they're learning. So we'll do games in the classroom or maybe jumping jacks or something like that. If yeah. we did mindfulness in concert with that, would that be self-defeating, having something <laughs> active and then calming down or vice versa? What, what are your thoughts on, on something like that? So here's what I would say that actually does, is that actually teaches kids how to really transition between different physiological states. Mm -hmm. And when I go around and I do trainings, you know, I sometimes even jokingly will say, raise your hand if you've got some kids who struggle with transitions, <laughs> right? It's like, <laughs> Everyone. Oh gosh, yes, right? right? Because and a lot of the reason kids struggle with transitions is because it's something that actually takes practice. You're kind of born with it and not, but a lot of it's just practice. Right. So practicing going from being a little bit silly, jumping around, jumping jacks, to being really still, that's actually great for kids because it teaches them how to go from different ways of being that are going to be useful in different contexts. It helps them then transition from recess back into the classroom by just even doing these little like, let's do some shaking around and then let's try to be really still. That's actually really great for kids. So I think experiment a little bit with, with how that goes. I, I love that question. I think it also is such a great opportunity to teach kids to practice transitioning their different physiological states. Yeah, yeah. We, we absolutely practice transition in our classroom. And it's been amazing when we started incorporating more movement in the classroom. The, yeah. 
the thing that I posed to the students was, okay, we'll play this game right after math, which was one of our hardest times of the day where students were stressed out. And, and so we, I wanted to get them up and moving. And I said, okay, we will do this as long as we can transition back into our seats and be ready for the next thing. Well, of course they would, because they want to play games every day. And so right, they got right. really good at, like, within five seconds, being back in their seats, ready to learn, yeah. because yeah. they were coached on it, and they knew the consequences for, for that. And so that totally would work here as well. Um, in, in doing the, the breathing exercises in particular, if you were doing the 7-Eleven or the hot chocolate, how, how long would you do that? Would you do it, like, three times like we just did together, or would you do it longer or shorter? Does it matter? Um, for different ages? Yeah, I would say your, your mileage may vary and it depends on your kids and the time of day and how focused they are. I always feel like it's really important to start small. Like let's do three 7-Eleven breaths and then let's you know, roll right into you know, the, the, the test or let's do a few hot chocolate breaths and then let's start the lesson or something like that. And then gradually start to build up from there. And then also, you, know, you want it to be fun. You want kids to feel like they've got it you know, if you start off with 20 and they're in second grade, then they're going to lose their focus. They're going to be like, that didn't work. That wasn't fun. I don't get it. I got bored or whatever. They got silly, which also certainly happens. Right. So I think, you know, just kind of starting small and with teenagers also starting small and you might not want to do like hot chocolate breasts with teenagers, but like, let's just pause and notice five different sounds that you can hear till you're feeling a little bit more focused. Right. Starting far away, outside, coming into the classroom, you know, just notice the sound of your own breath, and now just focusing on, on the teacher, focusing on the exam. Sensory practices like that for older kids can be really helpful and helps them feel like they really are gathering their attention almost like a camera and focusing in on what's right there in front of them. Um, yeah, and then you can make that a five-minute thing, or you can make it a 30-second thing, kind of depending on the kid's attention and also as educators, of course, we've also got material to get through, and, and that can feel like a lot of pressure. And it's like, oh, I'm supposed to do mindfulness, but how do I find the time? And, you know, that's always a balance. Yeah. So one of the awesome opportunities from this last year is as COVID hit and we started doing learning from home, um, many teachers had more connection with parents and with families than they'd had previously. And, and for me in particular, I, I think that there were often those parents that wouldn't come up to parent-teacher conferences, the ones that you most wanted to talk to, but it was difficult to get a hold right. of them. COVID gave an opportunity to, to get into those homes virtually and have more interactions with parents and students. So I'm, I'm looking at the new normal moving forward where we might have a more of a blended model or different periods of time where we have that connection with parents. And again, I'm thinking of these parents where the students that most need mindfulness that most need to calm down and, and to recenter. Um, what would you, be your advice on connecting with those parents and getting them on board so that they're doing these kinds of things in their home? Um, yeah. So it's not just part of what ha is happening in the classroom, but we can share right. that with families. Do you have any ideas and in, in how to better connect with, with parents and get them on board? Absolutely. And I think this presents such a good, I think, you know, COVID has been so challenging on so many levels, but there's also been a lot of real opportunities here, as I think you're, you're talking about, which, which I love that you're like, how, what are the good things about this? And, and I do think, you know, one thing that I've been recommending to educators in my online workshops that I'm doing now, right, is that in some ways, like mindfulness now more than ever, I mentioned that a thing about co-regulation, mm -hmm. having our, you know, everyone in the classroom kind of having their same physiology. 
this is something we already kind of do automatically when we settle into the classroom or maybe we you know sort of say the school motto or we do the pledge or something like that or sing a song it helps everyone to co-regulate from their different settings and one of the things that happens when we're online is that it's like one kid's coming in from a fight with their sister one kid's coming in with pajamas one kid's coming in you know five minutes late so more than ever we got to kind of co-regulate and maybe open up the classroom the live time like with with a little mindfulness practice now one of the things that you know i'm noticing as a dad right with my kindergartner going online is of course it's like we're starting and i'm still there at the beginning and I'm thinking with the teacher, I'm like, what a great opportunity to be, to be really reaching the parents at that moment when the kids are logging on, especially the young ones who don't need the parents to kind of help them, who do need the parents to help them, right, to get you know, logged into Zoom or whatever it is that they're doing. So that's a moment also that's like, you know, if parents want to stick around, we're going to do a couple ninja breaths. If parents want to stick around, we're going to do um, a few hot chocolate breaths. Or we're just going to all notice sounds quietly together in a moment of silence. And then the parents might enjoy that moment <laughs> um, and learn something. And then it's also encouraging parents too. you know, one of the mistakes I think is, is, and I make this mistake myself as a parent is my son's upset and I'm like, go do some breathing. And it's like, yeah, that's not going to work in that moment, but it's finding the moments that's like, let's do a few breaths before breakfast. Let's do some gratitude before bedtime. Let's do some you know breaths while we're in the car at a stoplight let's notice you know what's different in the neighborhood on our walk today like we we you know we do things in a good moment so that we can have access to them in a harder moment and it's a lot like training for sports right it's like you know i'm in new england it's like the, the patriots aren't you know practicing the day before the super bowl if they get there if there's a super bowl right but like they're practicing year round right so that when they get to that game where it really matters they've got it you know they, they've done it a million times already or that free throw same with mindfulness so that when the difficult moment starts to come up right here's something you can do and that as we do this regularly throughout the day it's just kind of getting kids more regulated it's like before every class three times a day okay like then the kids are like they get a little up okay brings them back down again keeps resetting and retraining their nervous system so they can be just better regulated sort of throughout the day as they go. So finding these little moments as an educator, as you said, and then also as parents, I think is, is so important to reinforce it and for parents to then get it a little bit themselves, which would be amazing because we know how stressed out our parents can be too. Right. So one of the suggestions that a few other guests that have been on have talked about in dealing with anxiety and depression is setting up some routines that you can incorporate throughout. And it sounds like this yeah. should be part of your daily routine in school, finding different times where you, it best serves you with your classroom. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I think we can even do that. Like you mentioned, that check-in time with your kindergartner. I had a kindergartner this year too. And I, would, I did the exact same thing you did. I got in at the beginning, got her set up with her teacher, and then I'd go help my <laughs> other kids with their thing. <laughs> <laughs> that was a good moment where a teacher can, right. can do those things with, with parents. So that's a great suggestion. Yeah. Um, Dr. Willard, thank you so much for your time today. I think this is going to be incredibly helpful for teachers out there uh, and administrators that will be watching this. Um, if, if teachers uh, want to connect with you or uh, look at your books, uh, I know that some of your books are even geared specifically for children, um, that mm -hmm. you, you have some child children's books and, and things like that. <laughs> where, where should they be going to, to kind of do that? 
Yeah, absolutely. And I, I do a lot of trainings and stuff like that for schools as well around mindfulness and stress and resilience and, and COVID. Um, you can go to Amazon to find my books. You can find my website, drchristopherwillard.com. You can also find me on, on Instagram and, and Facebook and, and stuff like that. I do like one little mindfulness or self-regulation prompt every day on those websites for families or for educators or for anybody. And um, so my, my handle on Instagram and Facebook is just at Dr. Chris Willard, D-R Chris Willard. Um, so easy to find me there. And my books, I've got books for three-year-olds. I've got an alphabet breathing book and I've got books for teenagers. I've got a anxiety workbook for teenagers, a, a depression workbook for teenagers. And I've got books for grown-ups and educators, and I've got books for parents. So I've got a little bit of everything. So please, please check that stuff out. And if you've got any questions, feel free just to, to shoot me an email. And, and again, this is a blast. I love that you're doing this um, for communities all over the country. This is, this is such a great service. So thank you for doing this. Thank you. It's been a real pleasure to have you on today. Thank you so much for joining us today on Virtual School Assembly. If you enjoyed the episode, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever else you listen to virtual assemblies. And leave us a rating and review so we know what you learned and took away from this virtual assembly. Videos and show notes are found at virtualschoolassembly.com. And if you're a school leader and you're looking for a speaker for virtual or traditional in-school assemblies, or if you're looking for some teacher training, I'd love to connect with you to see how I can help. You can check out my website at tylerchristiansen.com. Thanks. You are super duper. Let's go out and make the world a better place. Bye-bye.